Well, we'll talk now about the Utah-Colorado game with Brian Howell. He is a beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. I think we're all curious here. You know, the uh, COVID just completely scrambled the football schedule like it scrambled everything else. And I think we all read and heard, wow, when you're a first-year coach like Carl Durrell, you don't get spring football. And how can you uh, possibly get your guys ready to compete? And now they're 4-0. How did that happen? All of the all of the logic, all the predictions out the window. Yeah, there's been uh, pretty much all the logic in most walks of life this year have gone out the window. I think, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I just think that from everybody that I've talked to, um, you know, Carl Durrell's done a really good job of of really keeping this team together and keeping his calm, and uh, you know, the guys really responded to his maturity and and just his even keeled attitude towards this whole thing and no excuses and they've got some good veteran players on this team that you know, are tired of losing and thought that hey let's buy into this coach and uh, and see what happens here and it's worked out so this is a battle as i see it of two strengths colorado averaging a pack 12 best 245 yards running the ball and obviously it's played a significant factor, if not the most significant factor, in their 4-0 start. And then you got Utah. And Utah under Kyle Whittingham just doesn't allow that to happen in terms of running the ball. They're allowing, I think, 105 yards per game, which is tops in the Pac-12 also. So you basically have this strong running a game against a strong defense against the run. So what gives? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. CU has never had uh... – you know, success running the ball. I mean, the last time CU had a 100-yard rusher against Utah was 1957, so uh, it's been a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Utes are just really good against the run, as you guys know, and they always have been under Kyle. Um, you know, I think that they'll, they'll continue to have success with that this weekend. I think CU is going to get some yards, but nowhere near their average, and uh, I think it's going to be you know, a great battle, like you said, strength on strength. I think that it'll be interesting to see if CU can get much going there uh, but it's always been a struggle against Utah. Brian Howell joining us, Colorado Buffalo's beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera. Uh, Jarek Broussard is averaging uh, 183 yards per game. He redshirted as a freshman. He hurt his knee and didn't play in 2019 as a redshirt freshman. He's now a redshirt sophomore, and he is blown up. Did anyone see this coming? It just seems like between the injuries and the redshirt and the fact that he was a three-star recruit, the he seems to have come out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, the people within the program that, that watch practice, and, you know, we don't get to watch practice, but those that watch practice say they saw it coming. That this is what he does in practice all the time, and uh, they're not surprised. And for those of us that don't get to see it, we're surprised because um, he was kind of, honestly, among those of us that cover the team, he was sort of off the radar in terms of that running back, uh, uh, that running back room and, and kind of who would lead this team in rushing. And he was sort of off the radar because of the injury history. And, you know, they had a four-star recruit come in this year that everybody was excited about. And all of a sudden it's Jarek Broussard that's kind of blowing up. And, um, you know, so we're all surprised about it. But apparently those that, that watch say this is what he does every single day. So the quarterback's a great story, too. You know, the former safety. He doesn't really have great stats, stats speaking of Norah. You just look the last couple games. I think a total of only 230 yards, one touchdown, three picks. Since Utah is very stout traditionally and has been many, many years against the run, you'd have to assume they're going to have to throw the ball to some extent 
uh, being able to have some type of uh, consistency against the Utes moving the ball. What's the status of their passing game? It's been a little sluggish the last two games, and you know Sam Noyer's got to play better in this game, I think, for the Buffs to win. I mean, go back to that running game. If they're going to have any success, I think a lot of it depends on uh, you know what Neuer can do through the air. Uh, you know they've got to find some holes, and you know Utah, you know has uh, watching them. Uh, their secondary is opportunistic, but they can give up some big plays. And I think the Buffs have got to hit some of those uh, in order to open up that running game a little bit. And to me, that he's the key. And uh, Neuer has played better. He was not sharp at all last week in Arizona. Through a couple of really bad interceptions, and there was kind of a blow up between him and. Uh, Carl Durrell caught on camera. It's, you know, they both said everything's fine, but he's got to play better for them to win this game. So while the Utes have been losing to Utah and Washington or leading their respective divisions, the Buffs have been beating UCLA, Stanford, San Diego State, and Arizona. Uh, should we be drawing any conclusions? First off, it's hard to do it in a COVID year because you don't know who's playing for a team every given week. But it does look like Colorado's been playing the, the bottom and middle of the conference do you have a, any kind of feel for how they would match up against uh, some of the better teams in the league? No, I don't think we really do. You know, I, I think you look at the preseason poll and the top three teams in the South are supposed to be USC, ASU, and Utah, and CU hasn't played any of them yet. And, you know, I, I think ASU is better than its record. I think that Utah is better than its record. And so this might be the best team that CU's faced all year. And so I'm looking forward to it just to see how good is this team really uh, because I'm not sure we've we've been able to see their best and and you know see them against anybody that, that's great. So um, I think this is going to be a big test for them. That's why you know determining who's the the champion in this conference is going to be difficult when everybody's playing four or five games. Yeah, I know that probably uh, Durrell and his staff don't really want to talk about it because you can't you can't break the code of talking about other things except the next opponent. But there is a scenario where they could win this ball game and be undefeated, but yet not be in the title game. Is there any sense of frustration there? Yeah, I think there is. Um, you, you know, Darrell, he, he, his line basically was that, "Hey, I'll worry about that if we get to it." But you could say, you could tell in the way he said it that, that yeah, that would be frustrating for him, and I think it'd be frustrating for the team. That you know, more than anything, not necessarily that they would be. Uh, out of the out of the title game with the fact that they didn't get a chance to face USC, which you know that would be the, the game that determines that championship. And so um, I think they would really love to have a crack at USC, and who knows if they would win it, but I think they would really like that shot. And uh, they haven't had a chance to get it because of COVID nineteen. And you know we'll see if they get it next week. I mean, stra- stranger things have happened, and it's possible that it's CU against USC next week in the title game, and you know, we'll see what happens. So Carl Durrell coached at uh, his alma mater at UCLA, and so he had a run there, and then he went off to the NFL. Has he talked at all about how he's changed coming back to the college game more than a decade later? Yeah, he, he talked a lot about it, how he learned a lot. Um, I think a lot of coaches do. He learned a lot from that first experience um, with UCLA, and a lot of it really is giving more voice to the players and, and kind of learning more about, about his players and getting to know them better and, and I think we've seen that. I mean, he's really kind of taken on the attitude and and uh, and sort of the, I guess, the expectation of his players this year. And he, he's really tried to cater to them um, in his own way. I mean, he's certainly the leader of this program, but you know, he wants to cater to them. And um, he feels like he's learned a lot 
and it's been 13 years since he was at UCLA. And so, uh, you know, in that in that time, I think he's learned a lot, and uh, he, he looks to me like he's a better coach. So we saw McIntyre have the one good season, and then went right back, and then he's out the door. Uh, how much can we buy if we want to think that Colorado is back and can have some consistency? Is it actually true? Yeah, I think it's hard to tell uh, with this. But, you know, like you said, they haven't been tested like they would in a normal year. The one thing that I think is more sustainable than the 2016 year is the Buffs are better up front um, on both sides of the ball. And they had a bunch of guys in 2016 that were seniors. That's who led that team. There's a lot of guys who are not seniors on this team that are they're playing really well. So uh, there's people that are going to come back and they're better on the line than they've been in a long time. And so I think that's more sustainable than what we saw four years ago. Brian Hal joining us, Colorado Buffalo's beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera. Regardless of how uh, all of this ends, uh, going forward, do you think everything's in place for them to be good uh, consistently or are there major things you look at and think they've got to fix this if they're really going to be good in the Pac-12? I still think they need to work on their depth overall. Uh, their secondary is is shaky at times, and really, you know, as good of a story as Neuer is, uh, they still haven't had great quarterback play, and they've got to get that figured out because Neuer's a senior and he could come back, but you know that's a one-year thing, and and who knows what he looks like? You know, he's been shaky the last two games. With teams having film on them, so who knows what he looks like long term? They've got to get the quarterback play figured out long term more than anything, but then also some depth. Well, Brian, we appreciate a few minutes to talk to us about the Buffs. We're looking forward to the game. Thanks for joining us. You bet. You guys have a great weekend. Brian Howe, Boulder Daily Camera, Buff Zone, Colorado Buffalo's beat rider. It'll be uh, Colorado and Utah, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, the kickoff tomorrow morning. And, uh, Getting the quarterback thing long term. I guess if you get a freshman who can play well, you get the quarterback long term, but then you don't tend to get anybody behind him. It seems like quarterback is always in flux for most college teams. Maybe USC, because they can offer two or three kids a year, and it seems like people just flock there. But the quarterback situation always seems to be a question mark. Yeah, I don't think that's any different from for anybody for any else. Team. Yeah. I mean, every team. I mean, Daniels was the guy, except he wasn't. And now Slovis is the guy, and he'll play one more season and probably go off to the NFL, and we'll see who they have behind him. And so, yeah, just the nature of it is that you're probably only going to have a quarterback set for two years. If you get a quarterback set for three years, you're in a good situation. But I don't think that that happens much. Maybe if he's a sophomore, because I don't really expect many freshmen to come in and play well, and I realize there's a Trevor Lawrence out there, and every yeah. whatever pro- proclamation you have, there's going to be an exception. But even looking at Trevor Lawrence, again, three years, that's probably the most you're going to have, assuming that Lawrence comes out this season, which I, I, would, I would think he would, but we'll see what happens there. So, yeah, it's a constant battle, and that's where <clears throat> transfers come into effect now because, you know, you're, you're a freshman – and you don't start, you're gone. <laughs> so it's just it, it, it's really the, the way it is. You just don't have very many guys. This Fink kid at SC, who's just basically done mop up duty. He played for the against the Utes last season in a game that really mattered. 
But other than that, it's just been, you know, end of the games. But I don't think that that happens much uh, in, in today's world. And they take off, right? And they just bounce around. It's, it's hard to keep track of uh, quarterbacks and where they've gone. And Because to me, I, I almost expect a, a quarterback to come there and then take off wherever it there is. It seems like it's the normal situation. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, can, can you sustain that? Because that's what's interesting with the Utes, because they've done this now. You know, last year they had Tyler Huntley for three years, and that was good. He got injured and didn't really play the full three years. But we saw it come to pass as a senior was really good. And that's great if you can get them to stay and develop like that. Uh, but you wonder, can it, can it be done? And then you dip your toe into the transfer route, and is that – that I guess with with rising though you got him early enough that he seems like he's one of your own because he literally never played for Texas so maybe that maybe that's the way to go if you're going to get the transfer rather than the grad transfer to come in because once do you remember when Oregon did that yes and, and what was his name uh, Helfrich which, which, he went down that road and oh, he ended yeah. up getting fired. I was going to say which quarterback they had multiple one year guys right. but you're that's right Helfrich as the coach had multiple one year guys. Right, and that I don't know that you can do that and and really be successful. Now, now, the more I think about it, with Rising though, getting him so young in his eligibility uh, timeline, that's probably good enough. It's a shame that he got injured this year and we don't get to see him get these four or five games of experience. I think that's a blow to the program for next year. But maybe if you get these kids younger, but yeah, every program needs a quarterback, and if you get one. You're, you're very, very fortunate. Yeah, well, I mean, there's always a risk out there. I, I just stick more to your two-year rule, and the three-year guys like Huntley are the exception. If you, you know, with Rising, if he had a great year, if he blew up, the way Zach Wilson is blown up this year, well, he'd be off to the NFL, right? Because of the age thing that we talk about. He's already, this is his third year of college now. Now it's quite the jacked-up year between COVID and his injury, so it's not like he's getting to play a lot. 14 snaps, that's the number that'll be burned no, into nothing. our... Burned into our mind, right? We'll never forget that. Cam Rising was a starter for 14 snaps. and He'll be a redshirt sophomore for like five years. Right? He and Britton Covey can make all... <laughs> Britton, give me all your material. I need all those jokes. What do you got? Well, hopefully that's a 12-game season next year, and if he wins the job, I don't know that he will, but if he does, he gets to play, and, and that's good. The point being, too, that you know when you go with that younger kid that first year, you should probably... S- uh, expect some level of mediocrity. I mean, the Utes went seven and six yep. that season, right? And they had him. What did they lose four in a row? And he said it was bleeping embarrassing. Yeah, uh, up there in uh, Oregon, and 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 that was really funny. And yeah, but it, it also gave you an. Well, first off, it was very funny. Let's just not. Let's just enjoy it for a second. But it also gave you an insight into his mindset and how much he'd won and how much he expected to win. And they won twenty games his last two years. And I realize he didn't quarterback them all because he got hurt, no, but he, he quarterbacked most of them. In November of right. uh, his yeah. junior year. There were three uh, games, three wins he didn't, five games he didn't play and three he didn't win. Right. Uh, probably wins all three of those and maybe wins a couple of the other ones too. Who knows? Uh, if he's if he was healthy, maybe the Utes would crack the Rose Bowl that year. You have to actually you probably think, yeah. Now, if you want to torture yourself as a Ute fan, Think That's about the year. that. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, because you only lost that game, what was it, 10-3? Ten 10-3 to ten to with a pick yeah. six for a touchdown. Yeah, and so you got, you got to figure if Tyler was there, uh, either or both with yep. his legs and yeah. arm, 
you win that game and you're going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And if the Ute, if the Utes would have gone to the Rose Bowl, and what would that have been their uh, eighth year in the league? Wow, what a tremendous accomplishment that would have been. And then a lot of those guys would have left, so <laughs> the next year would have been totally different. Everything changes. You change one thing, everything yeah, else doesn't yeah, stay the same. Yeah, and I always believe that. You just can't just change one thing and expect everything to stay the same. I've said that a million times with referees' calls. Uh, that call, you know, with the Jazz love to – they don't love to, but fans talk about Bavetta in that finals blowing a three, four, and against the Jazz. Well, sure, if you just add those three points or take away those three points – but, you know, who's to say the game plays out exactly the same? I, I understand that. Who knows? Some of those kids may have come back and probably would have had a good team last year either way because you would have had Huntley and Zach Moss, and they would have made sure that you were competitive. We'll, we'll never know. But uh, the point being, man, you have got to get solid quarterback play. That's why that's, I, I can't really handicap this game with the Utes and, Buff, and, and Buffaloes because I'm not sure – I haven't seen Noyers. I haven't seen like I can count on him and Bentley. I, can I count on him? He's gotten better, but can I count on him to play very, very well? I can't right now. Well, Lincoln Kennedy made a point about the Raiders that I think applies to the Colorado Buffaloes and what Brian Howell just told us. He's a beat writer for the Boulder Daily Camera. We'll combine those two things next, get you up to speed on everything that was said in this show next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.